just go through the whole the whole long chapter here. All right, so seven verses uh, kind of get us uh, back to uh, thinking about this passage, and then uh, hopefully, hopefully, uh, rest will have slipped back in here. Okay. Bible says, I cried unto the Lord with my voice, with my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path. In the way wherein I, I walked, have they privily laid a snare for me. I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there, there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Attend unto my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise thy name. The righteous shall compass me about. For thou shalt deal bountifully with me. Uh, we were in uh, the midst of gloom, despair, and agony last week. As uh, we looked at verses 3, 4, and I think verse 5 as well a little bit. And uh, we learned some the, about the conditions that he endured. Or if you remember the consternation that he experienced in his trouble. Uh, what are the things that we saw already? And we'll kind of review as we wait on those to finish praying. What did we find? What, was the, what were the conditions he endured? Okay, it was an unbearable load. It was a, a heavy load. It was, he was overwhelmed. He was covered as a garment. Remember like as when the lights went out? And uh, yes, we're just kind of reviewing here, all right, while we were waiting on the prayer warriors to get done. Uh, <clears throat> all right, so <laughs> we're good, we're good, there's no problem. All right, so the unbearable load we learned about. What else did we learn about in verse 3, I think? What's, what's that? Okay, unseen or concealed. Oh, were you trying to go with alliteration? Thank you. Unseen traps. Thank you. Concealed traps is what I gave, but um, but we will um, we'll take that. And then what was the what was the last thing that we saw? Okay, couldn't come up with anything that started with you. Yeah, I know. It was it was getting. A, Sometimes you get desperate when it comes to this, so you just got to pass on it. All right. So he was abandoned. Uh, by men. And um, it was clearly uh, laid out for us in verse 4. I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was, uh, there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. And quite honestly, if you looked at just th verses 3 and 4 of this psalm, it would be gloom, despair, and agony on me. It really would be a uh, situation where it'd be like, wow, this is Life is miserable, but it isn't. And the whole psalm was written as a lesson. You remember, this is a what? Mass kill. It's a mass kill of David. And what was a mass kill written for? Or what is a mass kill? Mass kill, sorry. It's instruction. So it's teaching us. It's teaching us about difficulty. It's teaching us certainly about the matter of prayer and difficulty. It's also teaching us about the greatness of our God. He wasn't in distress, although he was in distress. You know, he wasn't distressed 
in his distress. Maybe we can put it that way. Uh, but anyway, he was handling the situation in the right way, but he was being honest about what was going on in life. And I really believe that verse 4 is kind of the culmination, if you would, if you wanted to say the, the worst part of the whole picture. It, it was, uh, yes, he, there were traps that were set for him, and yes, it was a difficult way, and he was overwhelmed, and the lights had gone out. Remember, the government covered over him. But I think verse 4 expresses probably a little bit of, um, of what is, would be, I'm, I'm certain, very distressing to be alone. I came across an article Newsweek magazine wrote about the value of friends. Well, it wasn't exactly about the value of friends, but it revealed that, uh, that studies have shown the number of friends you have uh, makes you better able to handle trouble, at least in the studies they did. Uh, and they said this, the mind has a powerful impact on our health. Lonely people and stressful people due to tragedy are more likely to get sick. Mortality is three times higher among those with few close relationships. So the point they came to, the conclusion they came to in the study is having good friends and relatives seems to afford a measure of protection from stressful life events. You know, the Bible tells us that. Solomon wrote these words in Ecclesiastes, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow but woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat, but how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. You know, throughout Scripture we find the value of friends. But here in verse 4, a guy who had plenty of friends at one time no longer had them when he looks for them, when he needs them. When, when, you know, he needs to be able to get on his, his phone and give him a call. Well, they didn't have those, but you know what I'm talking about. When he needed to be able to talk with someone, when he needed to be able to, to, to just share his burden with someone, uh, there was no one there. And, um, and it is certainly a discouraging picture in verses 3 and 4. But uh, this evening, we get to look at the positive side now. And in these very verses and surrounding these verses where we saw the trouble, we learn the comfort he enjoyed or the consolation he found in trouble. The comfort he enjoyed or the consolation he found in trouble. Now, again, the situation described would be hard to take. I mean, he's crying to God. So he's obviously in, uh, well, Actually, many believe he's looking back at the situation, but he's thinking about it, and he's thinking about the pressure he was under and having no friends that were at least uh, reliable at the time and his spirit being overwhelmed. And, uh, and then these uh, snares that have been laid for him, and he's in this distressful situation, but he shares with us, even in the midst of that, that there was hope. So what was the hope, and where do we find hope? Well, look in verse 3. Because we focused only on the first part of the phrase, when my spirit was overwhelmed within me. But he goes on, and he shares something with us that really should would make a big difference in the way we respond to what we just read. Because if he just stopped there, when my spirit was overwhelmed within me, uh, and he said, that's the way I was, then we would be kind of like, oh. But what did he tell us, and what did he share with us? 
All right, God knew his path. I, I put it this way, God was aware. Um, what is so encouraging about this song is that it speaks of sorrow and trouble, but in the midst of the sorrow and trouble, it, it shares hope. David was crushed by the weight of trouble in his spirit. But here's what he shares with us, and it's important. He said, uh, then thou knewest my path. God was aware of him. God was aware of the situation. Um, we know that truth, but sometimes we need to be reminded of that. God knows what's going on. It's not as if he's there saying, oh, man, I didn't plan for that. Oh, I had no idea that was going to happen. I didn't know that was going to happen on top of this. Wow, man, they're really in more trouble than I thought they'd ever be. God doesn't do that. So that the lights went out for David, but God knew where David was. And God knew the lights went out, and God was the one who allowed it. And so he said, thou knewest my path. Um, you know, it's just encouraging to know God's always aware of my circumstances. He, 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 never, he will never say, I had no idea that was going on. You know, I, I've been thinking about that. It's not unusual for missionaries to call um, the church. In fact, I, I usually I get them probably every week, at least one or two, um, or every other week, definitely. But uh, anyway, sometimes they'll call when we're on vacation. And, uh, and it's hard sometimes to know what, what calls to answer, what calls not to answer. Brother Umstead would understand that. But um, they have no way of knowing that we're on vacation. Now, if sometimes just to tell a missionary, look, I, this isn't the time for us to discuss having a meeting. So, um, you know, call me back when I'm in the office. I'll just say something like, well, right now we're away. Uh, but whatever. And they always say, well, I'm so sorry. I had no idea. And it's like, hey, you wouldn't have known. I mean, you know, you're not, you're not there looking through the phone. At least I don't think they are looking through the phone and seeing uh, where we are or anything to that effect. So they have no idea. But uh, I'm thankful that even though people don't know what's going on in your life, by the way, someone can call, you're having a rotten day. You've never had that happen, right? And it's just like, they have no idea what's going on. And they're talking like everything's fine and every, the sun is shining. And, man, you've you just been going through a ringer, you know? And it's like, wow, this is bad. But it's just a great reminder to know that, that God is well aware of what's going on. He, he, he knows every one of the things that happened to you today. Every one. None of them surprised him. He knew the path you were on. And he knew where that path, he knows where that path will lead, by the way. And he knows exactly where you're at on the path right now. And he knows what's coming in the next few steps. And we can rest in that and rest assured that there's a God in heaven who is well aware of the circumstances. Again, he doesn't say, I had no idea. That was a surprise to me. <laughs> Boy, I'm glad God doesn't say that. Aren't you? So God was aware. Uh, and then look, if you would, at verse 5. Because uh, in, in the midst of this, he says, I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. The second truth is that God was there. 
Thou art my refuge. In the first few words, uh, there's a contrast to what he experienced in verse 4. He looked for help. He looked for comfort. He looked for someone to be there in verse 4. He looked for someone to listen to him, to support him, to encourage him. And he found no one, nothing. He was all alone humanly. But notice the change at the beginning of verse 5. David didn't need to search for God. He didn't say, I looked for God and he wasn't there either. He said, I looked all around. I looked for someone that would care. Refuge. No, one, no man cared for my soul. No one was there. And, and so what do you think would be the response? Hey, I need someone. God! That's verse 5. It's not, where are you, Lord? It's, I cried unto the Lord. So, look, friends failed him. People didn't come through at a time when he desperately needed them. But God was right there. And God wasn't just aware, but God was there. I mean, God was, was that ever-present help in time of trouble. Um, just like we sang about, constantly abiding. Wasn't that, that was a great song. In fact, I was, I was thinking how, how much that relates to what he shared in verse 5. You know, God's there. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee is the promise in the New Testament that believers can, can cling to. And it's a promise, this promise here, or the truth that he shares is something you and I can share as well. I cried unto the Lord. Hey, no one else may be around. Uh, you know, people may be acting like they don't care for me. People may be avoiding me because of the situation that I'm in and because of what's going on in my life. But God, God is there. And he's there all the time. And, uh, and that is an encouraging instruction for us. When all others fail, when they turn their backs, when they disappoint, when they throw you under the bus, <laughs> okay? Um, when they're no longer supporting you, there's someone who's there. Uh, we, we shared, uh, I think in the last point, the experience Paul had in trouble. He was abandoned of men. Just take a look because I, it seems like almost a, quite a parallel. Second Timothy. Let's take a moment to turn there, would you? 2 Timothy chapter 4. David was, um, was not disobeying God. He wasn't disobedient at that point. He wasn't uh, running from God. He was certainly in the will of God, doing the work of God. And he was doing nothing wrong to Saul, yet he was being chased. Paul was doing a work for God. In verse 14 of 2 Timothy 4, he shares that Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Of whom be thou ware also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. So Paul faced some very strong opposition. Notice verse 16. At my first answer, what happened? I was all alone. No man stood with me, but all men forsook me. And it's an interesting statement here. I pray, God, that it may not be laid to their charge. In other words, I'm not going to be bitter about it. But here's the truth, and here's the fact. This is what happened. I was alone, and I had to stand alone. And it's not easy to do that. But notice what he says in verse 17. 
Was there someone there? No man stood with him. The Lord did. And let me tell you something. That's all you need. Now, it's encouraging when men stand with you. It's a blessing when someone's got your back, humanly. But as a Christian, it's wonderfully encouraging to be reminded all the time that God's there. And when people walk out, he doesn't. And may we just rest in that, in that truth. God was there. God was there. You know, he didn't have to say, Lord, can you hear me now? You know, <laughs> um, because God was there. Uh, David is in the depths of a cave, but in the depths of a cave, um, he had a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And that's an encouraging truth. So he, um, let's see, God was aware of the problem. God was there in verse 5. And then notice, in, uh, let's go back to our passage in Psalm 142. I cried unto the Lord, again in verse 5, o Lord, I cried unto thee, O Lord, I said, Thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. You know, God cares. He ends the verse by saying, God is his shelter and God is his inheritance. So everything he needed in the cave, God was. One of the great comforts of Christianity is knowing that God is what I need. And God has what I need. That's why I can do what Peter tells us, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. So God is aware. God is near. He's there. That's even better. Okay. And then God cares. And I can rest assured of that truth. Psalm 73, 25 says, Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Here's the, the truth. Even if my trouble ends in death, I win. Because if I have to go through, and sometimes I will. You know, there were a lot of Christians burned at the stake for their faith in Jesus Christ. There have been a, a lot of Christians fed to hungry, hungry lions in the Roman Colosseums. There were Christians that were, that were burned to keep uh, Nero's uh, gardens from freezing. But here's the truth, that even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So um, these are important reminders. And it's no wonder this psalm, although it's one of a cry of despair, is a cry of hope. Because he was absolutely confident that God would deal, get to the end of verse 7 as we ended last week, that bountifully with him. And he will. But we need to remember, remember that. Um, Nay, in all these things were more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is 
in Christ Jesus our Lord. Um, Thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. As long as I'm alive, Lord, you're my portion. As long as I'm alive, you are my shelter. As long as I'm alive, God, you will be there to meet my needs. I can count on that. And if I go through that valley of death, you'll be there all the way through and take me to glory. And so I do. I win. Maybe we could word it this way. He had a place. He had a promise. And that's all he needed in verse 5. You're my refuge. had a place. You're my portion in the land of the living. He had a promise. Um, and so may we, uh, may we just rest on that. We have, we have a place to go. We have a promise to hold. And may that encourage our hearts in the midst of difficulty. And um, we've been parking it there. We haven't been going very fast through Psalm 142, but it really is, I think, wonderfully encouraging for a believer to just ponder these facts and to remi be reminded this is written to teach us, to instruct us. Uh, and there's a lot of valid and wonderful instruction. And we'll see uh, from verse 5 all the way through to the end, uh, once again, uh, next, the confidence he enumerates or the conclusion that he makes in trouble. And there's a, a few things to think uh, through in those last few verses, and we'll do that next time we have opportunity. Let's pray together.